Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Let's Talk About Brand. I, of course, am your host, Christine Gritman, coming at you every single week with new expert interviews talking about specific elements of branding. If you are joining us on your podcast player of choice, welcome. I encourage you to please subscribe to Let's Talk About Brand, brought to you by the Adweek Podcast Network. I drop new episodes every single Monday. Or perhaps you're joining us over on YouTube for the video podcast. That is released every single Friday, so be sure to subscribe to Christine Gritman on YouTube. Oh, wait, but that's not all. In between, I want to hear your voice on the topic of the week, and that's what Chat About Brand is for. Every single Tuesday at 12 noon Eastern, I'm running the Chat About Brand Twitter chat over on, of course, Twitter, and that is a series of questions led to guide a group discussion on the topic of the week. And the topic of this week is branding with sustainability. Ooh. You know, I always love taking what have become marketing buzzwords and digging into them with the experts who know how to actually use them, what they really mean, and how you can leverage them for your own brand, and if you even should. This week's guest expert is Katie Klancheski of branding agency Smack Studios. Katie has certainly helped lots and lots of brands work out their own relationship with sustainability and other cause-based elements and making sure that the brands who are baking those into those brands are doing so correctly, genuinely, and in a way that actually makes an impact. So without any further ado, let's bring on Katie. Katie, hello. How are you today? See, that clapping, that applause actually comes from, from all the baby bunnies who weren't harmed in animal testing by sustainable companies. It's necessarily a marker of whether something's sustainable or not. <laughs> this is true. Let's go there right now. So the definition of a sustainable brand has, of course, shifted over the years, and it means different things to different people, different brands, different industries. Sometimes, as I said, it means not testing on baby bunnies. Sometimes it means using materials that are renewable. So I'd like to hear from you, what does sustainable mean in your world as someone who people come to as an expert on sustainable branding? Well, I mean, I would say, first of all, there's absolutely not one common term for sustainability. And the needle keeps getting pushed in terms of like what we should be expecting from sustainable brands. So 
I think when we're thinking about sustainability, it really needs to be thought about for each industry, what it looks like to push that forward. As a branding agency, we generally touch the idea of sustainability in two places for our clients because we are focused on CPG, really when we're working initially on branding a new brand and we're working together with the client to come up with what the packaging program is, that's really the first place that anything that we do is going to have significant impact on what the product line actually is and how we bake sustainability into that packaging program. And then the second place, you know, we work with a lot of brands that are doing really interesting things from how they're sourcing products, the kinds of farming that might produce ingredients that are part of their product stories, you know, and how we tell those stories around sustainability sustainability is the next place that we really have a big impact where we're connecting what a brand is doing from a sustainability standpoint to why that's meaningful to the consumer. Now, there's a wide gulf in terms of exactly how brands embrace sustainability and how they wear it as a label, I, I guess you could say. So on one end of the spectrum, there's the brands that talk big game. They call themselves sustainable, but some of it is to go to another buzzword, greenwashing. Some of it is, you know, maybe they're doing one tiny thing, but then their regular operations are trash. And then on the other end, there's people, there's companies out there who are really doing the work, making sure that they bake true environmental impact, social impact, all of that into everything they do, but maybe aren't talking about it. So Mm -hmm. I'd love to hear from you sort of what elements of that you work with brands on and what you feel is, you know, the the sweet spot there in order for a brand to truly call themselves sustainable. Let's actually back up for a second. Let's start with greenwashing. Let's start with yeah. that end of the spectrum. Let's start with what not to do before we get into what to do. So let's talk about greenwashing, cause washing. It leaks into all sorts of different types of talking the talk without walking the walk. Let's Let's dive into that and what you've seen. Yeah. I mean, I think we saw it like cause washing is a great term because I think from the moment that we saw Tom's shoes launch, there's been an awful lot of this where, you know, any brand is just going to connect themselves to some sort of nonprofit or impact. And the truth is most corporations are partnering with nonprofits at at some point in their lifespan. And we see a lot of cause washing where people are stepping forward and they want to get credit for being a cause-based business when maybe it's just something that they're doing for who knows, a tax credit, or it was already a part of something that was baked into what they were doing. So I think, you know, what we're seeing now is that, you know, we live in a space where there is social media and there are activist consumers out there who are going to call out businesses that are saying they're doing something, but actually not doing it. So there's a real danger for brands that are pretending to be wrapped in a cause when in fact, it's just something that they're paying lip service to. So I think we're, we're past the point where we're seeing, you know, every brand that launches attach themselves to some sort of cause, but it's definitely something where, you know, we went through that phase of buy a shoe, give a shoe, Bombas, you know, all of these brands that were actually doing that as part of their business model, were having an influence on other businesses. And I think in some cases for better, but you know, it's not every brand out there is not an activist brand. So really talking about measurable impact, I think is where it gets important. And that's where consumers should really be holding brands to be accountable for what they're claiming to do. 
Now, the game really has changed on that. I feel like, you know, a couple generations ago, certainly, nobody cared if Ivory Soap was doing sustainable things or if they were, you know, contributing to causes or anything like that. Not to pick on Ivory, I'm sure they're great. But it wasn't an expectation. And I think that you really hit the nail on the head when you pointed out that social media is holding brands' feet to the fire in terms of if they're going to say it, what are they actually doing? And, you know, there's been this huge influx of brands doing it. To your point that you also said, Todd's, Bomba, stuff like that, it used to be a bit more impactful to be like, ooh, this brand is really doing something different. And now it feels like a lot of brands are doing it. So I'd like your take on sort of how that emerged. I don't want to call it a trend. Hopefully it is sustainable and here to stay. But how that emerged where it's almost an expectation that brands are attaching some sense of social responsibility as part of their brand now. Yeah, well, and I think it it goes to what consumers are expecting from brands and how we're seeing the shift in those expectations based on demographics, really. Because if you look at boomers, less than half of them think that a brand should have any sort of connection to a cause or be doing something as kind of an activist entity. But then when you go down to Gen Z, definitely millennials have been a big part of this trend, but we're seeing this next gen consumer really demanding it. It's about 80% higher want the brands that they interact with to actually be doing things that are actually making change in the world, whether that's from sustainability, whether that's about changing perceptions and being inclusion, whether it's around social justice issues, but they don't want to buy from brands that aren't actually doing things the right way. And so I think it is the job of brands and corporate entities in the world to look at every facet of what they're doing and making their products and doing business and find ways to do better. And that might have to do with social impact issues. It might have to do with more sustainable practices in their manufacturing. But first, they really have to look into themselves, make those changes. And then it's the job of the branders and marketers to tell those more meaningful stories to consumers, because we know that really this next wave of consumer spending power, they're expecting this from brands, but they're not expecting it as like a little ribbon, like, oh, this is giving a small percentage back. It's we actually looked at our whole supply chain and we're revamping this and we're really looking at everything from water usage to human rights along this chain of production. So. It's fascinating how you pointed out the generational shift there, because that's so true. There is definitely, you know, a group of people who say, keep your politics out of my breakfast cereal. (laughs) They view it as political. They view it as something polarizing, whereas the newer generations and the newer brands are not even necessarily newer brands, but the newer people helming the brands are really looking at it as this isn't political or polarizing. This is caring for humanity and our world. That should be like a yes. (laughs) Yeah. I just want to speak to what you were saying before about what is sustainable and who should be getting credit for it and what's the difference between greenwashing and making a small change. And I do think that it is important to point out that when we're talking about large global brands, the small changes that they make can actually be 
really, really impactful on a global scale. So we're working with a large global hair care brand and they're in the process of getting all the black plastic out of their packaging. That seems like a small change. If that was a new brand coming to market, you'd say that's not enough. You need to bake more sustainability into your packaging program. But them removing a non-recyclable plastic from their components globally is going to have a much bigger impact than a very small new brand coming to market and doing everything right from the get-go. So I think what we see is a lot of these newer brands doing everything right because they can from day one, but it's having this bigger influence where we're seeing these really big brands making these small changes, but these changes become really meaningful in the supply chain because one brand saying we're going to get rid of something that's not recyclable and demanding more non-virgin plastic in the supply chain to feed what they need on their production scale makes a big difference. And it makes large changes that we're going to see downstream in a very big way. You know, it makes me think of on the show, The Good Place. Chidi's, you know, Chidi is freaking out because he's like, oh, I know why. Spoiler alert. They're in the yeah. bad place. It's a few years old. I think I can I can spoil yeah, that from season that. one. But but Chidi's like, oh my god, I know what it is. I kept drinking almond milk, even yeah. though I knew that using all that water on the almonds was bad for the environment. He thought that that one small impact was why he landed in essentially hell. Yeah. Um, so so little things can make a difference. Scale is a massive thing, and it is not all or nothing. Mm -hmm. um, so one thing that I'm curious about is I know that part of why larger brands in particular have resisted sustainable efforts in the past or part of why they weren't baked in from the beginning, besides the fact that it wasn't really what people were doing yet, it wasn't industry standard yet, was also the issue of a lot of times responsible practices are more expensive practices, and they were worried it would impact profitability and the bottom line. But at the same time, to your point, consumer sentiment is shifting on that, and it can impact the bottom line in, in another way. So I'm curious as to what shifts you've seen some big companies make, and we'll get to the ones who are baking it in from the get-go in a little bit, but some shifts that you've seen big companies make that they have decided were worth it. And I don't know if you've had visibility to see if it did turn out to be worth it or not, but but I'm curious about your experience there. Well, I mean, start first with everything is too little too late at this point. We will see the impact of the things that are happening right now in 10 years. But I will say I started working with sustainable brands 10 years ago. And at the time, it was a differentiator to say we are using sustainable business practices. And it felt like a hard sell to talk to larger brands about the sustainable efforts they should bring in. What we're seeing now is like, it's kind of a duh conversation. Everybody wants to make these changes at the corporate level. You see these ESG or EWG goals where these large corporations are saying by 2030, we're going to be 100% sustainable on our packaging program, or we're going to have carbon negative energy usage. And there are these big goals that everybody's trying to hit. I think the wall that most brands are hitting, what you said, things are still expensive. And as you start digging into things, and we get into this a lot when we're getting into packaging programs, it's like 
you think you're just going to have a conversation about switching to a 100% recycled primary form for serum or something. And all of a sudden you're getting into, okay, glass versus plastic. What's the shipping cost? How much gas is this going to use when it's getting moved from point A to point B? Then you start talking about why is plastic cheaper than glass? You start talking about really big things like oil subsidies, and it gets really, really messy in terms of the conversation and the impact really quickly. And to go to the good place reference that you mentioned, it really is like this tangled web of cause and effect when we start talking about sustainability. I think the biggest thing that I've seen is that we all feel like we're still trying to move in the same direction right now. The resistance tends to be on cost and the level of effort it takes to make a lot of these changes, not on whether it's the right thing to do anymore, which I think that's positive news that everybody wants to go to the same place. I think the negative is that it still feels like a very high level of effort to do the things that we know absolutely are the right things to be doing. So that's the next big step is how do we get there? And then I think I'd love to talk about how this is meaningful to the consumer, because at the same time that we're thinking about how we make these changes on the back end of production, how companies are functioning, it's almost this like, are you sustainable? Yes or no conversation. It's really just a box to be checked. We're still seeing that consumers want the more evolved conversations around brands where sustainability isn't necessarily the central point that you're talking about. You're still having really beautiful brand stories and we're still delivering amazing customer experiences. Now, let's actually back up for a second. Can we define what sustainability means in terms of packaging materials, in terms of product materials, and also carbon neutral? That's another one that you... Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to Bluehost.com slash Wondersuite. You mentioned, so can you define those terms for us, please, in terms of actual meaning? No. <laughs> Uh, We can talk about things that are more sustainable than others, but if you want to talk about absolute sustainability, absolute sustainability is not being a consumer. (laughs) Like the, the most sustainable thing that you could do would be to not have a brand. So everything that we're doing is just a measure in the right direction. So when we talk about sustainability, it's usually about kind of pushing things towards the more sustainable spectrum. Ideally, you want anything that you're working with from a material standpoint to be something that is a closed loop system, meaning that it can be recycled infinitely. We don't have that for a lot of materials right now. Plastics are, first of all, very few plastics are recycled, even though we have recycling programs, it's less than 9% of plastics globally have ever been recycled. And that number seems to be going down every year then things like glass and aluminum can be recycled infinitely, but it still takes power to do that, right? So using a product, buying things, it's not a sustainable thing. So sustainability, there's no silver bullet for it. All we can do is make better choices along the way. 
carbon neutral, carbon negative, those refer to how much energy usage goes into the production of something. And there's a lot of controversy in how that's measured as well, because you can measure one facet of a business and come up and say that it's carbon neutral or carbon negative, meaning it actually might generate power as part of consuming power. But then you look at other parts of a business and it may not be. And I think people famously point to Apple for this, where they say that all their facilities in California are carbon negative or carbon neutral. But then when you look at all of the supply chain that's done in the name of Apple, that definitely would not meet those same standards. So there's a lot in terms of what people focus on and whether that ends up being greenwashing. And I love your point that you made earlier when you were talking about different packaging, you know, okay, well, maybe plastic is less friendly in its production process than glass. But if glass costs more to ship and uses more fuel to ship, does that even out in the wash? I think back to back when back when I had my first child, I actually was using cloth diapers. And Mm -hmm. some people were saying that's not actually more environmentally friendly from the standpoint of you're using a ton of water. (laughs) So everything sort of has that 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 balance there. Now, in terms of consumers, consumers may not be looking at the right things always. But what have you seen just from an industry standpoint that consumers tend to care about when it comes to being able to say, oh, I support sustainable brands. I use sustainable beauty products. I know clean is another meaningless word that is bandied around a lot. So from a consumer standpoint, what do they seem to care about? And what perhaps is what they should be focusing on instead? Yeah, well, I think the beauty industry, we work primarily with beauty and wellness brands within CPG. So we deal a lot with this. And there's a lot of conversations about human health versus ecological health, right? So clean is an awesome example where, you know, the clean movement within beauty and within the wellness space has been something that's been an evolving conversation for the past 12 years, at least. And initially it was about let's eliminate what we know to be or what potentially could be harmful chemicals from the formulas that are inside this bottle. In some cases, making those choices is a more sustainable choice. You might be going to things that are derived from more natural, and natural is a difficult word, but more sustainable practices in terms of sourcing ingredients to produce something that is going to meet clean standards. In other cases, you might be choosing something like almonds are a great example, where they use a lot of water in the agriculture, and so therefore it's not really a great sustainable choice. There's a lot of oils that are used in beauty products that... They might be clean, but the production of them, the agriculture is a really dirty process. So in a lot of places, clean and sustainable can be in tension with each other. But you see a lot of the standards that are used in places like Target and Sephora, they'll use a little green leaf to indicate that a product meets their clean standards. The green leaf, that's something that seems like it would be environmentally friendly. It sounds like it's something that is going to have a better sustainable impact when you see that, but they're using it to indicate something else. So whether or not those two things are intentional, it definitely has the effect on the consumer where they might think that clean and sustainable are the same choice when in fact they have nothing to do with each other in that case. Another thing that we see, I'm glad that you brought up the leaping bunny at the beginning of this. A lot of people think that vegan means that a product is going to be more sustainable sustainable. In most cases, a vegan certification on a product, while it means that there's no animal products in there, most of the products wouldn't contain animal-derived products to begin with. And that symbol really just refers to whether or not it was tested on animals. And testing on animals 
I think a lot of us can agree that that's not necessarily a great thing, but it also doesn't really indicate whether a product is more sustainable or not. And so a lot of consumers will buy on things like the vegan symbol or the leaping bunny or the cruelty free, thinking that that's an indicator of sustainability when in fact it really just talks about where the products have come from and whether or not they've been tested on animals. And for most products that they want to sell in China, they actually do have to test on animals. And oftentimes that leaping bunny symbol is just telling you whether or not it's a product that's being sold in China. So it gets confusing. (laughs) It does. And to your point about Sephora putting a green leaf on something, that's just their beauty. That's just their clean standards. There's kind of a lack of governing bodies and putting a particular symbol on something may indicate that it means something, but it doesn't always. Mm -hmm. I'm curious to see as you work with, we've talked about how existing brands are moving more towards sustainability in different ways, big and small. Now, Mm -hmm. brands that are baking something in from the get-go, whether it's sustainability, whether it has nothing to do with the environment physically and is more about social good, things like that. What are you seeing in terms of not only why they're doing it, but also the types of standards they're holding themselves to? What practices are emerging that you're seeing brands want to incorporate from the beginning? I haven't had a new brand knock on our door in the past three years and not say that sustainability is important to them, especially when we're looking at putting together a packaging program. Really, most new brands from day one, they want to be doing the right thing. So that that tends to be table stakes, and we, we call that table stakes. Then I think that conversation when we're talking about beauty and wellness products around clean, we're seeing the next evolution of clean going towards transparent. They want to be able to be held accountable for what's in the bottle, what the formulas are made of, the standards that they hold that to. I think that's something that we're seeing a lot of. And then the last piece we're seeing is more around how it's serving humans in a way that's not about addressing a deficit that people have, but actually being additive to their lives in a way that is empowering them. I think that's something that we're seeing as part of brand stories that is really beautiful. And we're seeing it across the spectrum. We work with sexual wellness brands. We're working with a hair care brand right now that's really all about talking to issues around self-care and Black men and really allowing people to take moments for themselves and address issues around mental health and kind of what we deserve and, and taking care of ourselves. The brands that we work with in sexual wellness, they're really about creating a space for everybody to feel accepted in who they are and expressing themselves in that way. And I think that there's this new crop of brands coming up that are really thinking about if we're creating a product and we're adding something and asking to be invited into people's lives, how are we helping them live a more joyful and empowered life? And how is this product story something that aligns with a more empowering human story? And then along the way, we're going to do everything right. We're going to source the ingredients in a way that's responsible. We're going to build the packaging program in a way that we're trying as hard as we can to make sure that we're leaving less impact or zero waste. But on top of that, the human side of that has to be aligned with this greater idea of well-being and helping people build more joyful, happy, empowered lives. And it sounds like a lot of that, too, is about if we're going to start a new brand, let's address something that's under-addressed. Let's serve a market that is underserved, And that can also be a cause that mm. that is baked in. Oh, that's huge. I love how you said that it's table stakes now to be sustainable. I feel like if a brand launches now that doesn't have some element of that, you almost can't. I remember when I first went into business in my area, I'm in an area geographically where 
pretty much every business leader is involved in community service. They're all actually, and I don't mean lip service. I don't mean donations. I mean, people like actually cleaning up trash on the street. There are local business leaders. And if you're not doing that, you stand out (laughs) in a bad way. Like, how are you not giving back to your community? So it is, it is kind of a minimum. It's interesting. I feel like you already went here with the thing about addressing those underserved markets, but I'm curious about what's next that you see brands really embracing in terms of sustainability, in terms of causes. I know you mentioned that the packaging and the manufacturing process is, you know, done deal at this point. You sort of have to do that. Then there's addressing underserved markets, underserved conversations. What other things are you seeing kind of emerge, whereas sustainability maybe doesn't stand out anymore, but these new things do? Well, I think it's interesting. It's We work in this beauty space, but I don't even, I hesitate to call it beauty because what we're addressing so much more these days is this idea of wellness, but in this larger holistic conversation. And I think what we're seeing a lot more with the brands that we work with is really looking at how are we normalizing the conversations that we're having around how people are living effectively in their bodies. And we're working with brands that are, in some cases, helping to treat acute skin conditions or health conditions, but in other places they're working to help people just live more joyful, empowered lives. And I think what we're seeing is that it used to be that marketing and advertising branding, we would co-opt these perfect model bodies to talk to what the ideal is. And what we're seeing now is that as brands, we really want to be inclusive in the kinds of conversations that we're having with people and really invite people to show up as themselves and not saying, There's something about you that we want to correct, but just we want to help you live better in your body, in your life and feel more empowered on a day to day basis. And so I think the next evolution of conversations that we're seeing is really this wave of inclusion that's going beyond just showing different body types, but showing different skin types, showing different ability types, showing all sorts of different people and saying Everybody who's showing up is is showing up in their perfect body. And we're just a part of your story and helping you get to that next level of feeling great and feeling wonderful in this bigger conversation around well-being. And I think that this is this post-COVID conversation where everybody is just really looking to live their best, most empowered lives these days and kind of ditch the bullshit, to be honest. Oh, I love that. The inclusivity is really incredibly what it's all about. It sounds in general like there's been a huge shift from being manufacturer led, like here's your product, here's how it happens, here's how the company gives it to you, to being a lot more human led, possibly even consumer led. So as a final question, I'm going to ask you for for your advice. If a brand is looking to be more consumer-led in that regard, how can they sort of balance listening to what's out there, listening to the consumer, being led by that, while also making sure that they're doing it in a genuine way and not just paying lip service to what they're hearing people want? Yeah, I think... The thing is, there's so many brands right now. If you're coming to market with a new product line, you better be making something that doesn't exist. 
there's too many choices for consumers. We are constantly trying to, to sell people things that they don't need. If you are brave enough to start a new brand right now, you better do your homework and really be listening for what consumers need and finding something that really is an underserved area of the market or an underserved audience and really be ready to show up for them and to do it in a way where you're an activist for that group. I, I think that we're done with brands just throwing products at people. It really has to be led by where is the need and how do we make the very best product from serving that consumer through how we're doing business and and then you get to tell your story about that and stand up and get credit for it but if you're not coming at it from all angles from the right way you really have no business bringing a new brand to market in the current climate love that oh so true bring something different or don't bring it at all amen All right, Katie, this has been incredible. Tell everyone where they can find you, why they should find you, and what they will find there. Sure. You can check out our website, Smack Studios, and we're S-M-A-K-K Studios. And you can see some of our work, our process, our case studies. I personally am on Instagram. That's kind of my only social media, Katie underscore underscore K. And that's that's where you can find us these days. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for this incredible, enlightening conversation. I think it's going to help a lot of people kind of get their heads straight on how they should be looking at branding and sustainability. Thanks for being here. Thanks so much for having me. And thank you for being here, whether you are joining me on your podcast player of choice via the Adweek Podcast Network. Make sure to subscribe to Let's Talk About Brand for new episodes every Monday. Or if you're here on YouTube, joining us for the video podcast. Again, be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode every Friday. And then join us in between for Chat About Brand on Twitter on Tuesdays at 12 noon Eastern time. I'm Christine Gritman, and I will be back with you next week with another very smart guest expert talking about a specific element of branding. Thanks. Bye. Thanks for listening to Let's Talk About Brand, part of the Adweek Podcast Network and Acast Creator Network. This podcast was produced by Christine Gritman, executive produced by Al Manorino and John Heil, and edited by Christine Gritman. You can listen and subscribe to all of Adweek's podcasts by visiting adweek.com slash podcasts. Stay updated on all things Adweek Podcast Network by following us on Twitter at Adweek Podcasts. And if you have a question or suggestion for the show, send us an email at podcast at adweek.com.